Hello, and welcome to the DMV Business Show, a weekly show where we get to meet local business and community leaders in the DC, Maryland, and Virginia area. They get to impact their story and how they got there. You can expect to hear advice and learn about their journey and how they went from point A to point B. My name is Odo Sevilla, and I'm a commercial real estate advisor in the local DC, Maryland, and Northern Virginia area. I have been very fortunate to have worked with many amazing entrepreneurs and executives, from startup founders to international Fortune 500 companies. And one of the things I love about what I do is I get to form these great relationships with some interesting people. I get to know them and I learn about how it all started. And I love hearing a good business story. When I'm not working in commercial real estate, I just also happen to be the host of this show. So please enjoy and welcome to the DMV Business Show. Welcome to the DMV Business Show. I'm your host, Odo Sevilla, and today I have a very special guest for you, Alex Kutishin. Alex is the co-founder, CEO, and chief ROI booster at Sales Boomerang. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks for having me on, Otto. This is awesome. Uh, thank you. It is really my pleasure. Um, you're doing some awesome things there in the lending industry. For the audience who may not know what or who Sales Boomerang is, if you can give us just a general overview, please. Sure, sure. Yeah. So we uh, Sales Boomerang launched in uh, in uh, February, actually on Valentine's Day of 2017. Uh, by design, maybe we can get into that conversation. That was a really cool reason for that. Uh, so we launched in uh, in 2017, and with with the mission, and actually I wear it on my shirt um, right here, as you can see. No, no borrower left behind. Our mission is is to make sure that every borrower is in the right loan right now, and they are not uh, being being left behind for any reason. Right? They always have a financial friend. Uh, they can rely on. So what do we do? How do we create that? So what Sales Boomerang does is we tell lenders, banks, credit unions, mortgage lenders, when someone in their database is ready for a loan and which loan they're ready for. And the some of the biggest benefits from that is number one, no more spam, right? You're not getting emails, text messages, phone calls, letters to try and sell you something. You're only hearing from your financial friend, your lender, when they know you can benefit from something and then it becomes your choice, right? It becomes your option of what you want to do. So it's low pressure, all about value, all about friendship and making sure that, that the consumer feels like they have somebody on the other side. That's awesome. I can't wait to get into all that, how, how you, how you find all that um, and yeah. know when is the person ready to, to move forward. Yeah. Um, before we go into all, all that detail, are you originally from the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area, or where, where did you grow up? Where were you born? So I was born actually in Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, my parents came here in 1990. I was seven years old when we got here, and we moved right to the Baltimore area. Landed in New York, uh, came down to, to Baltimore. Uh, so uh, I've been here now, what, uh, 32 years, yeah, in, in the ball. But this month will be the last month because we're getting ready to move to to uh, to Boulder. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we'll still have we'll still have family here, and we'll still sure. have a place here. But our primary residence is going to be Boulder. I, I love Ukraine. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Um, so, are you fluent in? I assume you're fluent in Russian. Fluent in Russian, yep. Uh, yes. Ukrainian. No, my, my dad is fluent in Ukrainian and okay. Russian, but not, but not me. My wife was also born in Kiev, and I've been to Kiev myself. Oh, cool. See, you probably know more about it than I do, because I was too young to remember all the, all the fun things about that city. So, and I have not been back yet. Really? Oh, man, you have to go back. Yes, yes. I, especially my brother-in-law, uh, with his big heart, uh, he, they just adopted a, a child from, from Ukraine last year, I believe. Yeah. I think it was last year. Um, was it 21 or 20? I can't remember either end of 20 or, or sometime in 21, maybe it was 20. They adopted, uh, some, and, and he was there three times in one year. Cause you have to go through the whole process. And, uh, they went, uh, the last time I think they went for was like seven to 10 days. And he was telling me nonstop. He's like, Alex. 
I don't know why you haven't gone back to visit. He's like, I want to live there. He's like, I think that place is beautiful. Odessa, Kiev. He's like, it's it's just such a a a pretty country, and the people are so nice. And it was. I'm like, okay, now you're convincing me. Uh, so so I will go back. I will go back. Yeah, you definitely have to go. I, I went there. It was a while ago. I think my wife and I were just dating maybe a year or two in the relationship and she has family back there and it, it, it was gorgeous. I, I want to go back and, and take my family and my kids. Yeah. Yeah. You're, that was her test. You were with her for a year. She's like, <laughs> now you have to pass the test. Come, come to Ukraine. <laughs> yeah. But you, you should definitely go back. I, I highly recommend it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing that a lot. I, I, I will, I will, will. And, and I want to go with the kids and I want to go back to the neighborhood that I, I was born in and grew up in. And to me, I have these glimpses of this neighborhood and everything seems so big. And my, my dad showed me pictures recently of when he went back, you know, 10 years ago or something. And, uh, and, and he showed me pictures of the playground that I played. And I was like, no, no, that's not it. That's too small. I, it was a huge playground. He's like, no. <laughs> it was like it was a tiny little thing i was like are you sure i just remember all these places he's like no it was a tiny little playground i was like okay all right but well, i gotta see it for myself because everything seems so big when you're little alex i'm just curious you know with, with family is it do they do they call you sasha or losha or uh sasha, sasha. Mo okay. most of the time sasha uh, it's um it's mostly sasha yeah it's okay. uh but but now my parents are getting to the place where you know i've i've heard him throw in alex here and there okay right like when they're talking about me to someone and it's in in an english-speaking person they'll say alex instead of sasha okay. um but they used to say sasha no matter what now it's okay. now they've transitioned over and now it's alex yeah so my, yeah, my, my father-in-law is sasha as well it's uh, yeah of course yeah, i mean 80 yeah. percent of people in ukraine are sasha <laughs> and the other and the other 80 percent is is jenny i know it's impossible to have 160 percent, but i'm telling you it's possible yevgeny or or jenny is is the other uh, other part of it so it's funny yeah and my brother's name is jenny of course oh okay there you go <laughs> <laughs> so, so sorry to sidetrack there so you come here you said you're around seven and you land in new york landed in new york yep. okay so, so the way, the way it happened was, so we, we didn't have the typical trip or maybe it was typical, but I'm, I'm not sure. So we, we left Ukraine and, and it's interesting because it was, it was one of those situations, Russian Jews leaving, uh, leaving when, when they said, you know, the, they opened the border, but it wasn't like, Hey, come back anytime. It was, if you're going, you're gone, like pack your bags. Oh, you're around. Jewish as well. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, so, my, so, my, so, my wife immigrated to Israel after Kiev. I'm sorry. So no, it's yeah. okay. Yeah, it's beautiful. <laughs> that's 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 also on the destination list. So it's uh. So what happened was, in you know, it was end of it was end of '89. I think it was like right around October when we were leaving, and um, you know, once you've once they jumped through all the hoops to to get out to actually get the permission to leave. Um, there was, you know, it was, it was a waiting game. So there was like eight, not like there was 18 pieces of luggage sitting in our small apartment that my parents were going to take with them. Why they're taking it with them because we weren't flying out. We were taking a train from Ukraine to Austria, from Austria to Italy, from Italy. We took a plane to New York. That's how it worked. Okay. And again, I didn't, I don't know any of this. I don't think my parents even knew any of this. They just said, yeah, you know, we will call you. And when the phone call comes, go to the train station. That's, it was just like, it was like out of a movie. And so the phone call did come at night uh, on, on, in a winter, Russian, Russian winter night. Hey, get to this train station. It's like, Sichas right now. <laughs> right. And it's like, yeah, now it's like, okay, kids, let's go. And they, they took in, in at night, 18, I don't know how they did this. Their friends helped them carry 18 pieces of luggage. And here's the crazy part. We get to the train station. Again, this is all from stories, not from my own personal recollection. We get to the train station and it's nighttime. And then it gets to midnight and then it gets into the early hours of the, of the night. Then it's starting to get into morning and the train isn't, is, is not there still no train. <laughs> And nobody's leaving, right? This is their ticket out. They're not going back. They left their apartments. They've, you know, they've, everybody's said goodbyes. The day comes, no train. The next afternoon, no train. The next evening, finally, the train shows up. But no, nobody's left. To, to, you know, like nobody's going anywhere. So finally, the train comes, but it comes with one cart too short. 
It was missing a cart. And so all mayhem breaks out, right? Again, I don't remember any of this, but what my, what my parents and their friends tell the story of people just started tossing their kids into the train first, right? And so it was like, it was like kids, they, they find an open window, throw the kids in. My mom and, you know, all the mothers are running into the, to the cart where their kids are thrown into. And then whatever luggage you can get in, you get in, right? Like that's the kids, the, the, the uh, kids and wives are on. Now it's throwing in luggage. And supposedly it was craziness going on behind you. People are arguing, fighting, pushing, right? They all want to get on this train. And so there's an interesting actually connection to this, that story and, and this company just, and we'll get to that at some point. Uh, but that's how our journey started. Okay. And then not too far into the journey, again, this is all from story, but this is, this is interesting how, how, what my parents and a lot of people had to go through to get here uh, about 24 hours, not even 24 hours, uh, uh, sometime in the middle of the night, again, the train stops in the middle. And my, my dad tells the story. It was very strange. Everyone got up and like, there's no train station around literally in the middle of a field, the train just completely stops. Nobody knows what's going on. And the Austrian army boards the train. And they do what they do. They just start stealing things from people, like just with guns, the whole thing just started picking up things that they wanted and needed. Once they finished getting what they wanted, the train kept going and you end up in Austria. And we stayed in Austria for a month. Um, and then from Austria, took a train to Italy, stayed in Italy for a month in Rome, and uh, then flew to New York. And, uh, and then from New York, we took a, a little plane over to, to Baltimore. And uh, the reason we did that is my dad's uh, childhood friend, his brother came here in the 70s, established himself. And when they said they could open the border, you had to get an invite from another country. You couldn't just leave. You couldn't just be like, I'm leaving. Yeah. They need to know where you're going and why you're going. And so they had to get an invite over and maybe your wife has a similar story has to get an invite they got an invite but the invite was in baltimore so many people ended up in new york my 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 dad's brothers my dad's friend's brother had established in baltimore and he my dad's friend came over in the 80s right 10 years after his brother came over and so that is the family that called us over so that's how we ended up in baltimore we never left we just sort of planted our roots here and uh started building a life it's funny, my, my wife's a similar story, but her, her immigration was from Kiev to Israel, and then she grew up in Israel for all, all her teenage years, and then I forgot college, maybe 13, same thing, my father-in-law, Sasha, had a friend in Baltimore who requested him, and they, yes. that's how they came from Israel to, to the Baltimore, to the Maryland area. Uh, yeah, but, it's so yeah, cool. Yeah, very similar. So you grew up in the Baltimore area then, right? And you're what? What, not eight, nine then around this time? It's set, so in 1990, I was seven. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah. And then, uh, yeah, so we, we, we got ourselves into an apartment. And it was interesting because the apartment complex that we moved into, which was in, a, in an area called Racerstown in Maryland, it uh, seemed to have been a very popular place for a lot of other Russians that came to Baltimore to go. So there was a community of, uh, that I can remember of probably 20 plus families, and which was really great right? Because it's, it's new, but it's familiar, right? Yeah. And my parents aren't speaking English that well. Uh, me and my brother pick up English like this, right? Just, just put us into a school for a month and we're, we're, you know, we're in it. And so uh, the, moved into this apartment. And from, from there, that's, you know, it was, it was a move to, um, to a townhouse not too far away. We were there for about a year, year and a half in the apartment uh, and then move into a, into a townhouse again, which is really cool in a community that had another like 10 or 15 Russian speaking families. Again, it was really interesting how it was all, when I think back now, mm -hmm. it's very serendipitous, right? You're, you're not exactly, you know, New York is a popular place with, with, with a lot of cultures, but Russian speaking, definitely. Philadelphia has some. Um, you know, pretty, pretty large community too. And now Baltimore is known as, as a large Russian community, but it wasn't then, at least I didn't think so. Um, and so uh, we went from, went from being in the apartments to being to the uh, moving uh, into uh, a townhouse. And, you know, I watched my parents go from, you know, my mom being uh, uh, doing nails in, in a salon, my dad driving a taxi, 
to both of them becoming entrepreneurial, right? They went, my dad opened up a limo company, my mom uh, opened up an interior design company, and then we just started to, you know, live with what is considered the American dream, right? Um, and so it all started to start to move a, a lot faster once, once they started to get themselves established. So uh, that was around when I was like, probably like 10 years old that I started to see them, them do the things that they enjoy doing, not have to do, sure. right? Growing, growing up in the Baltimore area, Alex, what, what were you into? Were, were you involved or did you, did you help out here and there with your parents' business or were you into sports or other activities? Always been into sports. I, I've, you know, I laugh about this with, with my wife a lot. Uh, I, I think I've played pretty much every sport that's, that's possible except for a few. Um, I've, I did, I've done everything just because uh, soccer being the number one sport, and then you you literally start naming sports, baseball, basketball, football, uh, wrestling, jujitsu, skiing, rock climbing, you name it. I got into wow. everything, every, everything, everything you can you can uh, think of. I've done at, at some capacity just to try it at, at least a once. Um, and so I did a lot of sports growing up. Uh, that I helped them with their business, not in the beginning, uh, too young to help at, the, at, at that early stage. But uh, once my parents opened up a, a physical therapy clinic in, in Baltimore, then I started to help in the sales and marketing side, which was, was where I started to cut my teeth on, on, on some larger style sales and marketing types, types of things. But I was always trying to make money. My, my parents always tell the story that one winter, um, you know, I was just at home and, and I was like 11 or something, 12, maybe. And typically when snow falls, I'm, I'm ready to go sled. They said snow fell. You looked at it at, at the snow and you asked us if we had a shovel and we said, yeah, we got a shovel and you grabbed the shovel and you left. That's what they said to me. I, I don't even remember doing this. Okay. And they're like, you came back with money. And I was like, I was like, yeah, yes, somewhat familiar, I think. And what I, I mean, later, I, I, after that story, I don't remember that starting it that way. Um, but yeah, I just went and knocked on doors and see if people wanted their, their snow shoveled. And then it became a regular thing every winter. And the same people we shoveled snow for, as soon as summer came, we started washing their cars and, and cutting their grass. And so that was like, that was like income, you know, from a very early age uh, that, that I kind of enjoyed being able to spend my own money, which was all spent on candy and ice cream truck and candy, <laughs> you know, um, I don't even remember buying any toys. I think that was all through gifts, you know, like, like holidays and gifts and stuff. But I, I, I think all I spent my money on was candy. It's really it. Um, so, so yeah, so that was, that was the sort of the early growing up part. Do, do, you, do you have any siblings or brothers or sisters or just you? I just have a brother. Yeah, I have an older brother. He's two years older than me. Uh, okay. His name is Evgeny Jean. Yeah, you mentioned uh, yeah. Or Jania, yeah. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's also big into sports. So I followed, you know, I, I just followed him into, into all the different things he did. He didn't get as diverse as I did in sports, but his thing was soccer. Um, uh, that was his number one, uh, but he was good at everything also. And so I sort of followed him. He did swimming and, 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 and we did, I did gymnastics, he did gymnastics for a little bit. And, you know, I kind of followed him into that, but he's academically the most, the, one of the most talented people I know. He, uh, great story about my brother, a couple of great stories about my brother. First of all, he was the guy that slept in class and got straight A's. Oh man. It was nuts. Like, like literally he's in all, you know, GT and AP classes, whatever you want. And my parents would get calls and, you know, I was the one that would get in trouble in school. They got calls for a different reason, but every time he got a call from school, it was, you know, we know he's smart, but he can't just sleep because other kids do it and they can't do what he does. So you got to ask him to not, to not put his head down in class. Um, and my dad was so, so, you know, the, the old school Russian dad was like, is he getting a, yes. Then who care? <laughs> right. Like, just, just, just like so clearly, like, like, why are you calling me if he's yeah. getting straight A's and like, if the other kids can't do it, then you talk to the other kids. Don't bother him. Yeah. Um, but no, of course that wasn't the case. It was like, he's got to keep his head up. Like he can't just lay down in class. Um, and so, so he would get straight A's. He got like, you know, a 
crazy high score in his SATs, full ride to, to a big college uh, on his academics. And so I was the opposite. Uh, I just wanted to play all the time. I, I, I wanted to find something fun to do. And if it wasn't fun, why are we doing it type of mentality? And so, and, and hated tests. And so funny story, when it came to SATs, I called my brother who looks very similar to me, uh, similar build, similar height and everything. And I said, uh, it was funny because it was on, a, I think SATs were like on a Saturdays, right? My, my getting that right? Like it was on a weekend. It wasn't a weekday. I don't know if I'm getting those, those things mixed up. Long story short, I called my brother and I said, I need you to go take my SAT for me. He's like, what? I said, I said, I, I need you because he had moved out. He was at, he had moved out somewhere uh, at the time. Yeah, he had moved out. Uh, or living with it doesn't matter. I, I, I said, I said, I need you to take my SAT for me. He's like, all right. So I, he, I gave him my ID. He went in, got me an amazing score. Definitely not the score I would have ever gotten. <laughs> I get placed into these high classes, and I'm like, I'm like, no. I said, I said, I, no. That I was not the intention. <laughs> the intention was just to take it. I don't need, I don't need all these, all these high classes. And so they said, would you? Um, well, you can take a placement test if you want, instead of you know, and and choose and I said okay so time to take the placement test I go Gene can you take me the placement test but don't try so hard like like take it easy he's like why don't you just take it and place where you're supposed to place I said no because then they're going to be like what happened yeah. right it's completely different I said take it but don't do as well and he did and he didn't do as well on purpose and so I got to get into the classes that you know I it, they they didn't want what they said to me is like we don't want you to downplay your your abilities yeah. And I said, I got it. Let me just show you that, you know, I, I really studied hard for the, it was just a funny, funny thing. So he took both of my hardest tests for me. Um, and then I, uh, you know, I stayed, I stayed for a couple of years just to play soccer. And then after soccer, I, I started my first business. Which what, was, what, what, what school was this in? This was a community college in, in uh, Maryland called Catonsville. Okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, so, so then after a couple of years, you said you left and you started the first business. Yeah. So um, I was, 20 19 or 20 when I, I finished playing soccer and you know it was like continue school or go do something I really enjoy and that is um, making money like at the time I didn't know how to I didn't know how to uh, really I didn't know how to put into words what I was really enjoying it wasn't the money it was the building it was the creating it was the fun of creating something new and so what happened was I was in school um, and I was helping my mom with their physical therapy office in Baltimore. And what I was doing is sales, right? So I was meeting with attorneys and showing them why they should send uh, their auto accident and personal injury cases to our clinic and not another clinic. And at one point, there was an attorney that asked about an office in DC. They're like, hey, I've been really enjoying our relationship. Do you guys have an office in DC? And I said, no, but why do you ask? And uh, he said, well, Baltimore's peanuts compared to DC. If you think there's a lot of business in Baltimore, DC is a whole whole other level. Mm -hmm. And I came back to 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 the house and uh, I I said um, to my to my parents, I said, uh, can we open office in DC? And they're like, well, we can't because we have a a we can't do it because we're in business here in in Baltimore, but. We have another group that's been asking to invest in us, but they can't because we're invested here. They said, you know, they'd be willing to invest in another office and they have a non-compete that says, if you're within 40 miles, you can't open up an office unless it's with the existing partners. And so DC was like 44, 46 miles away from where the office was. Perfect. So I said, I'll run it. I, I, I said, I have no problem. I was 20 years old. I said, I got no problem. I'll run it. Um, they said, you think you can do it? I said, I said, please, what's, what's there to do? We're hiring all the, all, all the doctors, all the physical therapists. All we need is an office in marketing. And I've been doing that for you for the last two years. I'm, I, I got it. And it's not like you're going anywhere. I can still rely on you for support, right? Like, yeah, of course. So, um, you know, we opened up uh, an office. I was, uh, I was a partner. Uh, they invest, the investment team that wanted to participate was the other partner. Um, and that was the first office. That was the first venture into business. So you, you moved so, out of D.C.? 
No, crazy story is I just drove to DC from Racerstown every day, which was sometimes two hours. And I literally would sleep on the side of the road to let the traffic pass and then get back. Like if I didn't catch, if something happened on the road, I'm like, I'm not doing this. You know, I would get up at like six o'clock in the morning, get on a road by 6.30 and uh, to be there by 8.30, right? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're still in traffic. It's like, I found myself sleeping. Literally, it, I would come, I would go out because I'm young. I would go out in DC right on like a on like a Thursday night, go back to the to the office to the clinic, sleep on one of the therapy beds, wake up. Um, we, we had uh, now that I think about it, I just I just literally I had my toothbrush toothpaste and everything in in there, but there was no shower. Right. So I would just I would just brush my teeth, put new new clothes on and then I'd be in the office early because I slept there and I didn't have to take the drive. And so that would happen every once in a while, uh, just just to make sure that that we were there on time. So that was <laughs> that was quite an adventure. Then we opened up a second office in, in College Park. Then we're um, in, in the process of opening up a third office in Silver Spring. And that's when I was like, I'm bored like this is this is boring. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, everything happened beautifully and, and, and it was <laughs> so funny. Uh, my buddy calls me like literally as I'm getting bored with this business, I get a phone call. Um, and it's, it's, uh, one of my best friends and he goes, Hey, I got a business idea to run by you. I said, okay. He's like, somebody came to my, to my, uh, to my college. And at the time, so, you know, I was, I was probably what, 22 at the time he was 22 and he was just at the, in his last year of college, I think, or going at juniors. I, I don't remember something like that. And he goes, um, he's like, this, this guy came to our, to our uh, class and talked about this business idea about printing supplies. I said, okay, let's keep, keep going. Cause right, right now I, I, I'm not, I'm not quite sure I'm following. He said, he said, yeah. He said, if we can bring him empty toner cartridges, okay. He will pay us for those toner cartridges. I said, I said, why would anyone do that? Well, and he explains like what he's, what he does is he, he refills them with new toner cartridges. I said, he's going to give us money for, for like trash. He's like, he's like, yeah. I said, all right, sounds, sounds awesome. I'm in. Um, and so I wound down my, my partnership at the, at the physical therapy office with, with my partner, sold my shares, took, took some, Took a lot of money out for a 22 or 23 year old at the time, uh, wasted it all instantly. Um, <laughs> and uh, not instantly, but, but had a lot of fun with it. Let's just say that. And uh, what, what happened was uh, about six months into this, and this is true. This was, the, he, the guy really did what he said. We went and we had this awesome strategy. Being college kids, here's what we did. We knocked on businesses doors and we said, hey, we're starting a recycling program. So instead of you putting this in the trash, we, we'd like to help the environment and we'd like to take these toners and recycle them, which was true. We were recycling them, but that's not why we were doing it. Sure. And so all of these businesses seeing these young faces from college doing this nice thing, oh, they could have returned things to their to HP and brother and, 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 they, and, and gotten discounts on their next toner, but no, they wanted to help these college kids. And so here we are collecting boxes and boxes on a weekly basis. We're driving around collecting boxes. Max, my business partner, Max and my, my friend, his garage at his house was stacked to the ceiling. This truck would back up. We'd count the, the we would, it was so funny. We would count spending money in toners. We're like, um, hey, you want to go out this this uh, you want to go out to to New York to and get a a, a, a table at a club? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that would take 140 toners. Okay, let's go. We weren't <laughs> counting cash; we we're counting toners. All right, and so um, we did that for like six months, eight months, top something like that. Uh, it wasn't long until we realized that this guy was right. He told us his strategy: he's going to sell them, he's going to refill them and sell them. And um, we we were like. Okay, so he's going to refill and sell these. We know before anyone knows when someone needs toner. Why? Because we just collected the empty. We're the first ones that know they need another toner. So why instead of selling it to him at for 20 bucks that he's going to sell for $100, why don't we just sell them for $100? Why don't we get the empty toners that he's refilling himself and sell it back to our own clients? So we, we just recycle and refill. Yeah. Here we go. Profits went up instantly. We're like, hey, would you like to buy your toners from us now? Boom, went up. And then we said, 
uh, our clients started to ask, hey, my, my printer is broken. Do you guys have anyone that does service? And we're like, of course we do. Right? Start calling people. Who does service? Okay. Finally found somebody's service. Again, you know, revenue profits went up. We're like, we're, we're, we're not just recycling. We're also now selling toners. But for me, that was boring also. Just, I got bored within like a year and a half, two years, not even probably, yeah, maybe, maybe two years, just got bored. And by the way, in the process of us having this, 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 uh, well, actually that happened right after, I'll tell you this story in a second. So we went from, <laughs> went from printing supplies to being, to being bored in that, to, I will never forget, I forget her name, but I'll never forget uh, the, the conversation where this really started me on the trajectory into businesses that I love. We were sitting in an office and Max saw these business cards sitting on this, on this lady's desk that we were selling toners to. And it was just black and white business card, white card, her name on it. And uh, Max asked, he's like, he's like, where do you get those cards from? She's like, oh, I order them from Vista or something like that. And he goes, um, it's just got your name. There's no color. There's no design. You're such a, you know, you're such a personality. Like, have you ever thought about maybe designing new cards? And she said, oh, I'd love to. And, and we're like, can we take a crack at it? Can we design something new? She's like, sure. So Max knew a guy that does graphic design. We call him up. He designs a card, designs a logo. And she goes, oh, I love them. How much? We're like, 250 bucks. She's like, all right, how many cards does that come with? We're like, a hundred. We have no clue. And uh, she goes, okay, I'll take it. We're like, hold on a second, timeout. We just paid a designer 50 bucks to design this and just sold it for $250. Who else is willing to do this? Called up a couple of more clients when we were going up to see them for toner, asked them if they, what, what do they do with their uh, business cards, logos, postcards, uh, brochures, mailers. They're like, yeah, we're, we're always, we're open to, yeah, all of this stuff. We're like, oh, this is, this is way more fun. This is way more fun and the profit is crazy. We got a 20, 30% profit margin on these toners and these supplies. We're, we're like 5Xing our, our cost on this. And so we changed our business was so cool. We changed it from maximum office solutions, right? Printing supplies, all that maximum office solutions to bringing it together, MOS. And then we just added the word creative, MOS creative. And the company's still in existence. My Max still runs that company. It's, it's going on, man, 20, it's going on a long time. Um, and so started the printing supply, uh, started the, the marketing company. And that's when my heart, just opened up. Like, I'm like, this is for me. Like, I love, I, I can't see myself doing anything but marketing and, and uh, communication moving forward. And so from, well, I think we launched that company in 2005 or six, 2005, maybe 2005, 2006. And then it just, things just took off. You know, we're doing marketing for at professional athletes. So we got big brands from around Maryland, DC. We got, we're, we're just doing these fun, fun projects, these 20, 30, $40,000 websites, these, these entire branding campaigns, all of this stuff. Um, and in uh, 2000, end of 2006, I get a phone call uh, from a buddy of mine that goes, how would you like to uh, own a nightclub? I was like, now we're talking, give me, give me more. What do you, what, 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 tell me about it. So the reason he called me, it's not just out of the blue. The reason he called me is because um, while we're do having a, a marketing company, a pre, during all this time, we're out and about, like we, we, we love to go out. And I had done promotions for, if you're in DC, Virginia, if you've been there for a while, you must've heard of a company called Buzz Life. Um, growing up, right? Yeah. Buzz Life is one, I'm not sure how old you are, but Buzz Life was one of the biggest promotional, uh, EDM promotional companies on the East Coast. They had the, they had the, the, the B, the, like the Hornet as their logo, mm -hmm. get Buzz Life, right? So they had yeah. the Hornet. And so I did that for, for, for when I was 17 and 18, right? Uh, and so I had, I had the ability to promote. So long story short, he called me. He's like, the reason I'm calling you out of, uh, you know, many other people I can call is because you've done this. Like, you know how to promote, you know how to, how, how to get people to, a, into a facility. Do you want to, do you want to own your own business, own your own company like this? And I'm like, absolutely. Are you kidding me? Uh, 20, we were 25, 
24, 25 at the time. So now we still have printing going on, small bit of printing left. We have a marketing company and we own a nightclub. And so literally the day started like this. On Thursdays, Fridays, we'd, I'd get up at 6, 6.30 in the morning. Max and I would get into the office around 8. We were there until about 6.30, 7 o'clock. We'd both go home. We'd both change into our nightclub gear, go to the club, open the club, make sure it's all set up um, by you know 10 o'clock to be open, 9 o'clock, 9.30, but people started showing up at 10. And, and that would be our life for uh, an entire year. That's, I mean, that's all we did. Marketing, graphics, printing supplies, nightclub, marketing, graphics, printing supplies, nightclub. And then, um, and then in 2000, when did this happen? It was 2000. So everything is going great. 2000, let me think. 2009. Yeah, 2009. I'm sitting at my parents' house. It was a weekend. Uh, I'm sitting at my parents' house and uh, I had an Android. You remember those Android that had the slide out? Yeah. Remember those? They're I remember those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Just, just going way back. They were with the whole keyboard. Okay. I'm sitting there and, and I'm... And I'm the sidekick, like mid, I think. It was like midday and I was... What is it? Sidekick, I think it was called. Something like... I yeah. can't remember, but... Yeah, you remember I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 Um, thick phone and uh, a commercial pops up. And at the bottom of the screen was this thing called a QR code, right? And we're all familiar with QR codes. And uh, I was like, what the heck is this? And it said, download the app. So I instantly go into my phone. I'm like, QR code? Oh, QR code right there. Okay, QR code scanner. So now I'm sitting on the couch and I'm waiting for this to commercial to come back up. So I want to see what this does. It's cool. What is this new thing? It popped up. I ran to the TV, click, right? No pausing then, nothing, right? So I ran to the TV, quickly scanned it. And what do I get? I get a desktop website on my mobile phone. And I'm like, well, that's dumb. Like, what a horrible experience. Like, why would you do that to me? Why don't you just tell me to visit a web? Like, now I got I to do the scrolling. I got to zoom in. I, it's horrible. Instantly, a thought kicked in. I'm like, this is a market. This is a market. Everything is going to go mobile. Everything will go mobile at some point, but it's not going to be mobile in a sense of you have a mobile phone that can do this, meaning mobile is going to be a way of life. It's going to be part of everyday life. It's going to exist in communication, entertainment, everything, like instantly like this downloaded. So the next day I, I, I go into the office and we have this amazing uh, developer. His name is Sergi. He's, he's actually working for us still, NASA engineer. Um, and uh, I, said, I said, I have this idea. I want to build something that converts desktop sites into mobile sites like this. And it was so, it was so funny because people are like, that's dumb. I'm like, I'm telling you mobile is going to be a thing. And uh, it was weeks of convincing. Finally, Surge put together a prototype and I call a client. It's no joke. Call a client. Say, I got something to show you. I'm going to send you a text in 10 minutes. Click on that text. And I built his website, mobile website, in less than 10 minutes. From this tool that Surge built, just a tiny, nasty-looking, horrible, disgusting interface thing. Horrible. It was nasty. In 10 minutes, I built his website. It created a link and everything. I text him. My, the client calls back and goes, this is awesome. I just touched my phone number and my phone call came up right away. I touched the map thing and I got my, my it takes me to a map thing. It's like, how'd you do this? I was like, it's yours. Like, I'm going to give this to you, right? Uh, I just wanted to make sure that it was something you like, they're like, oh, this is, I love it. We're like, oh my gosh, we're on to like, like, are you like, this is, and so of course we launched a company called Fiddlefly. Fiddlefly went on to become a great business um, and uh, sold, sold my shares in that business in 2014 and decided to just be a, a family consultant guy, right? Like I wanted to be home, watch my kids grow up and just do consulting. Um, and so before I jump into, into the further part of the story, is there anything you wanted to jump in with? I don't want to keep going. If you had an agenda for some, no, other no, questions. no, no, this is great as far as the trajectory and the history for cell boomerang. Please continue, Alex. Yes. Okay, perfect. So, um, <laughs> so what, what, what ended up happening is, um, started a consulting practice called agency human. Okay. And it's. I did it for two reasons. Number one, I saw a lot of CEOs 
uh, be interviewed and in their in their origin stories and their stories about life and the advice they want to give other entrepreneurs was they said they almost all of them male and female said the one thing i wish i would have done differently has been around to see my kids grow up that stuck with me because i had a week uh one week where my son was born and i didn't see him we lived in the same house and i came home i left before he woke up and i came home after he went to sleep a week and I remember how bad that felt. I was like, man, that is not a good feeling. And so I said, I don't want that. I don't want that. That's not me. That's not for me. I'm not interested in something like that. It's, it's, not, it's not for me. I want something different. And so when I sold, when I sold my shares, uh, I said, I'm going to build a practice from home so that I can see both the kids say their first words and take their first steps, at least. Those monumental moments. I just want to be home for those big early events that you can never like you can never get that back like that's that's it it happens once and uh so i started a practice uh called agency human and um agency human was an, a concept and my wife did not believe this would be possible uh was a concept built around the idea that people do business with people not companies and so if people do business with people not companies couldn't we act like humans, meaning couldn't we just have a handshake agreement rather than a contract? Because a contract is for businesses. It's not for, it's not for people. People don't sign contracts. Companies sign contracts. And so I said, honey, I'm going to try something. I'm going to, I'm going to launch this agency and it's no contracts, all handshakes. And she's like, you're out of your mind. You're out, never going to happen. Like, that's not how people do business. They need security. I said, I said, listen, they have more security without a contract than with a contract. If you don't like what I did, just don't pay me. I don't even have a way to go after you. She's like, you're crazy. Good luck. Well, it worked beautifully. I mean, from day one, I made a couple of phone calls. People knew me and my success with previous businesses locally, instantly started getting business, all handshakes. Well, one of those, one of those businesses ended up being a company by the name of Ranking up in your neck of the woods uh, in Bethesda, Maryland. Okay. Ranking was run by a brilliant guy who rest in peace. Uh, Bill passed away. Just a huge inspiration to me. Um, this is not, this was not his first rodeo. I think this was the second big company that he's building and he built a business around business intelligence. Really interesting. Right. And the business intelligence that he built his business around was helping niche technologies get their technology into fortune 500 companies, but not forcefully. At the perfect time, the way they did it was they knew when a Fortune 500 company was in need of a niche technology, and this Fortune 500 company was going to be putting out an RFP, but they got to them before the RFP went out, and they made these amazing handshakes at the perfect time. How they knew that this accounting division of Microsoft was looking for an accounting software to help uh small entrepreneurial businesses in north dakota okay i have no clue how they knew this information and they and still don't know to this day they got bought by zoom info okay um but they did this and i watched this happen and so i came into the business for one reason and one reason only they they were starting to decline in opportunities their their lead flow started to go down and so they needed to rethink their their strategy and zoom info or no, another private equity firm skipped over them. They said, the reason we're not investing in you is your lead flow is going down. Over the last year, you're down like 33% on, on, on opportunities. We can't invest in a company whose opportunities are going down. Even if your revenue is up, your opportunities are down. We know what that means. There is going to be the opposite effect. You're going to start to see revenues go down. And so I was referred to, to this company because I had helped a local Baltimore-based uh, company just blow up. Like my 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 does my love, my passion is not about growing, but growing extremely fast. Like if you're not growing 80 to 200% a year, it's not fun. Like, like, what are we doing here? And so that's exactly what they needed. Bill's like, I need exactly that. So perfect. Thank you. Let's, how can you do this? And guess what we did that? Like handshake, six figure agreement, handshake. I said, Bill, if this doesn't work for you, just, just, just let, let me go. And you don't have to pay me anything. He's like, I've never done anything like this. I was like, 
again, you have nothing to lose. You don't like what I do for you in the first day, week, month, don't pay me. That's it. But if you like what I do for you, just honor the agreement, honor what we agreed to for this will cost. Um, and we did within 10 months, he got acquired by for over hundred million dollars, uh, blew his business up. So here I am, I see a business intelligence company. I'm, I'm in like the eighth month. Now we're getting to sales boomerang. You ready? So I said to my wife that I wouldn't do anything big until both the kids are doing something, walking, talking, and I've seen them have these big moments. Well, it was like clockwork. Um, uh, my, my, my buddy, Ken, who owns a market mortgage marketing company called Monster League Group calls me and says, hey, I know you're a free agent. Come do your magic for us and our, and our technology. Like, come in and help us out. I said, I said, sure. I said, I'm in the middle of this other project, um, but I can, I can definitely help. Came in met with them, saw the opportunity, and here they go proving to me that they can do something remarkable with, with, with mail. Like they could predict how many people would open and call their mail pieces. I'm like, that's impossible. You can never know how many people go to a mailbox, rip open a, an envelope, reach inside, read it, and then actually take action on it. You can never know. It's got to be this percentage this day, this percentage this day. They're like, nope. Like you want to see? I said, yeah because they're trying to have me stay there full time. And I, I, here I am working with Bill. Bill just got acquired. Bill calls me and says, hey, I want you to be a partner in my next company, uh, but you got to move to Bethesda. So I got all these things. I got Microsoft calling me. They wanted me to run Surface Division because when I was doing all the mobile stuff, I spoke with Microsoft. I spoke with Virgin Mobile. I was, I was everywhere. We were on cover of Forbes, everywhere. When we did the mobile thing, it, it just blew up. And so I had all these offers coming at me. And, and then this offer from Monster League Group. And I'm thinking... Like something feels really good about this, but I can't imagine working for a direct mail company. That sounds boring. But once they showed me that the tr that they could really prove it, they're like, "Watch, we're gonna send out these ten thousand pieces. This is how many calls we're gonna get with a uh, with a margin of error of this percentage." And they nailed it. I'm like, "What? Do it?" I said, "Do it again. Next mail piece for another client. They're like, "This is the many how many calls they're gonna get. It's gonna be off by this many." I'm like you cannot know that. Did it again. I'm like what how are you doing this how do you know how many people are going to call They're like this is our process this is what makes us good now when i met them they had four employees you know how many employees they have now 110 okay this is and and when well, i met them i knew them i actually helped them come up with their first brand and everything when i had the marketing company so that's why he called me so while i'm working for them brandon his business partner says alex i have an idea for our for this business i want to call them later leads okay later leads what what what's that He's like, well, as you know, the conversion rate in the mortgage industry is very low, less than 10%. So that means 90% of people aren't ready to do something. And so what I want to do when people call our lenders and say, hey, you know, I want to do a mortgage, but I don't, they don't qualify for some reason that our clients can put them into what we call a later bucket. I said, oh, okay. And then what? Like, well, three months go by and they'll call the customer. They're going to call them randomly? Yeah. And then it all came together. I'm like, I just finished helping a company get acquired for $100 million that could connect a Fortune 500 company with a niche technology that nobody's ever heard of at the exact moment. And we are going to call a consumer about a potential loan without knowing if they can qualify for it. That's silly. Why don't we tell the lender when to call? Not call every three months randomly. Why don't we tell them, hey, your borrower is now has this much equity or hey your borrower has this credit or hey your borrower has the whatever this we do the research on their behalf and only tell them when the customer is actually eligible to do the loan it was funny because they were like it sounds like a good idea but that's what that's not what we do here i said great let let me let me build it let me build it and it was the timing was perfect uh technology and mortgage was not really that big at the time and uh, 2016, we started development. 2017, we launched on Valentine's Day of 2017, as I said earlier. We launched with a campaign that said, the mortgage industry will fall in love. That was the campaign we launched with. We're launching on Valentine's Day. We had 98 people pre-register for this new technology that's never existed that was called borrower intelligence. I just came from a place that had business intelligence. I'm like, well, if, they, if they're a business intelligence company that tells other businesses when it's time to do this thing, then we're a borrow intelligence company because we're telling lenders when their borrowers are ready for a loan. And so 98 or so, 89 or 98, I can't remember the number. Maybe it was 89, 89 people pre-registered. My intention, okay, 
was to find the one person that pre-registered for this new technology to pay us the day that we launched. And we launched on February 14th and we had a check from Wendy Thompson for, two, for $450 on February 15th. The invoice was issued on the 14th, on the day that we launched. So it was, it was beautiful that it all came together the exact way that we wanted to. And really the rest was history with the concept of no borrower left behind people really started to catch catch on and believe in what we're trying to do. And we went from having me and one developer in 2017 we ended the year with like four people on the team and eight customers the following year, like nine people on the team with uh, 24 customers, then 75 customers 100 uh, plus customers and we're on our way to over uh you know over 200 customers uh well over 200 close to 300 customers uh enterprise customers this year uh voted 101 on the inc 5000 fastest growing technology company in maryland sixth fastest in the country uh, uh deloitte fast 500 number 40 something on a deloitte fast 500 nearly 4000% growth in the first 3 years just remarkable we're up to 81 people in the company right now and it's just it's just it's just a joy there's there's absolutely nothing else i could see myself doing in my life right at this moment with the people that we're doing it with it's the most it's the most amazing group of people that i've ever put together because i've been lucky enough that since 20 years old i've gotten to choose everyone i work with right like that's just a gift in and of itself. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's where we are. And we're, we, we, we're just getting started, right? We're only into, we're going into our fifth year. We're just getting started. Uh, and we have a lot more to give back to this, to this, not just to, to this industry, but to this world. And so we're, we're excited about, about those things. Um, so that's where we are. That's amazing, Alex. What would you say motivates you and drives you today? it's it's the same thing i think that's been motivating me since i was a kid and that is joy like what so two things um and i have a tattooed on me i have lots of tattoos but it says on my wrists always dwelling dwelling means doing what i love uh. always doing what i love so what motivates me is that like when i stop having fun i'm gone i'm out it's just not good for me it's not good for anyone the energy i'm putting out into the world is not good because i'm not having fun so i i i the result of that is 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 bad a bad outcome right you always want to have fun um or, or do something that brings you joy so that's number one number two is creating things that the next generation will appreciate that's a big that's a big goal and big mission is to do things that the next generation will appreciate right so just just being selfless not in the moment not always in the moment but also thinking ahead for what for what the 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 that's what's coming right um so those are the things that inspire me what can we do that has the greatest impact on the greatest amount of people and you do it from a place of love and not a place of fear um and that's and and that's that's the only thing that always inspires and motivates me today maybe that will change but that's that's today you know you have such a rich entrepreneurial journey with involved with all these different businesses well, what advice else would you give someone anyone who came up to you all type any type of business tech related non-tech service product that they came to you and they wanted to start up their own business what are a few pointers need to do one two three items that they should focus on so look you always following your heart is number one that's an easy one that everyone always says well when it comes to starting a business it's not it's following your heart but it's also uh, making sure that there's a market for the thing that you're you're trying to create, right? So uh, number one, everything in business, it, it, it does at the end of the day, come down to timing. Timing is everything. That is the number one reason of success of any successful business. It's a, a Harvard Business uh, Review article that that anyone can go pick up and read and see, but that's the truth. It's, it's, uh, it's timing. So number one, is this the time for this solution? Number two, um, outside of needing equipment and materials and and like having the need to have someone else to actually start a business or something else like if you're a chef uh, and, and you want to make uh you want to open up a restaurant that's a difference like you need a large investment if if you don't need that then my advice to everyone always is start right now just start number one thing is start do not hesitate do not hold back start right now 
because most businesses can start without any, 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 any need for investment, just your time and commitment. And guess what? You don't need marketing, advertising, websites, logos. That is all BS that everyone tries to sell you. You only need it when you're ready to need it. You don't need that right now. So if you want to start, you have to start. Um, and the way you start is you find somebody that will pay you for what you do and you don't charge your full price. Our first invoice at Sales Boomerang was $450. Right now, our average monthly invoice for a client is $10,000, okay? Per month, that's the average. So you're talking about going from 450 to 10,000 a month. That's because we needed to prove it, right? Was this gonna be fun? Was this gonna be exciting? Let's not put everything into this. Let's just see if somebody was even interested in doing it. And so if you're starting a business, just start. Just like like just just start it. And once once you've started it, number one, you'll find out if you're enjoying it. Number two, you'll find out if anyone's willing to pay you. Um, and so that's the biggest advice I give everyone is don't don't listen to uh you gotta have a SWOT analysis, you gotta no, just start. You'll get to that. You'll get to that part, but just start. That's the number one advice I can give anyone. That's great. What do you know now that you wish you would have known at the start of your business career? Um, you know, what do I know now that invest in great people early on? Don't settle for second best, third best because you think it's too you're this person is too expensive um you know i can't afford this person right now mm -hmm. it's the exact opposite you can't afford not to have this person that's the truth and so um don't do not hesitate um to hire the the best people up front um and i mean this this buzzword of culture has been around forever um build the business around the things that are important to you right the, the, don't settle for like well you know I, I i do believe in the environment and helping the environment but i'm uh, we're going to print everything don't do that don't 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 lose yourself in your business and your morals get thrown away for for dollars like don't don't sell your morals for dollars that's that's very important um so do the thing you love hire great people up front don't settle um and don't sell your 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 morals for dollars that's not that's never a good thing that's great advice what's your biggest challenge with your role at sales boomerang today well we just went through a, a huge fundraise um so I think the challenge is getting used to operating from a place of um, from a place of abundance rather than a place of scarcity. Right? We've been we've shoestring budgets, uh, all self-funded, just cu cutting cutting you know out really important things just to make sure we can continue to build the business. Mm -hmm. um, and now, when you have a, a significant amount of capital in the bank. You have to think differently. You can't keep thinking like you have to squeeze every penny because at the place that the business is, if you squeeze every penny, continue to squeeze every penny, you're actually hurting your business, not helping your business, right? It's like you have an infant, you're feeding it baby food. You can't feed it adult food. When you have a toddler, you can't keep feeding it the baby food because it's got to work its muscles, it's the jaws, the teeth. Uh, there's not enough nutrients in just baby food or milk, right? Or formula. You, so you just, you have to do things differently. You, you have to mature with the business. And so I think the biggest challenge right now for me is twofold. Number one, um, creating space for my team to just do the thing that they love to do and they're better than me at doing, right? And then trusting um, that it's okay to spend large sums of money um to get to the next level right and not having that mentality of we still can't afford to do this right because it's easy to get into that mentality be like no we're still a small business we're still a small business we're, we're not a small business well, i mean based on you know uh the, the 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 regulations of how you categorize small medium or large we're still a small business but in my mind we're not 
right? Getting, getting into a place where you're doing 20, $30 million a year in revenue, it's not a small business to, and to me. And so uh, that's the biggest challenge is letting go of the old way of thinking, uh, creating space for new way of thinking and, and really letting the team, you know, drive the, the, the future of the company. Now that you have this infusion of capital, Alex, what does the future hold for you and Sales Boomerang? What is the next couple of years? Well, uh, as I told my, uh, my, my director of sales yesterday, uh, in 2022, we paint our Mona Lisa. Not the Sistine Chapel. That's coming, maybe 24, 25. But this year, we paint the Mona Lisa. We, we leave a, a serious mark on this space in a way that it's never been done before. Um, and, and so we're going to, we're going to build a masterpiece. We are going to be helping our focus has been on mortgage lenders. Um, but we're getting into the, uh, the banking and credit union space in a big way, not just limping in, but going all in on the banking credit union space. Why? Because banks and credit unions offer more financial services than just a mortgage loan. And we are rolling out a solution, not a solution, we're rolling out a message, a, a mission uh, attached to our existing mission of no borrower left behind and every borrower in the right loan right now is this concept of having a financial friend. What does that mean? The financial industry, since I've gotten here in, 20, in 2017, all they've said is we want our clients to trust us. We want to have a relationship with them and we want to have good communication with them. Where there's one word that defines all of that, friend. A friend you have a relationship with, great communication with, and you can trust, right? So we want to create a financial friend, not a financial foe, but a financial friend. We want to explain to consumers and lenders, your goal is to have a financial friendship together. But not just a financial friend, but a financial friend with benefits, right? A financial friend with benefits. We like to have fun with our marketing communication here. So a friend with benefits, but a, a real, real benefits, things that, that really are important. And so um, that, is a big, that is a big mission for us this year is to get that into the, into the industry. No borrower left behind. It is a movement all on its own. People are printing their own t-shirts, their mugs. They're telling their customers we're no borrower left behind lending institution. Like they, this is, this is the industry's mission. Now we want the industry's mission to go even further. Be a financial friend, be a financial friend, not a foe. A foe is someone that sells something to someone that is in their best interest, not the customer's best interest. A foe is someone that does something selfishly, selfishly, not selflessly. Be a financial friend, meaning don't spam your customers just because you're trying to push your own agenda. Only contact them when there's a value for them. Don't do the things that foes will do. Do the things friends will do. Um, and so that is a big mission for us. And it starts with, with, with uh, banking and credit unions because we now will help uh, these institutions help their customers with auto. We will literally tell them when their customer is best suited to get a better car, new car, refinance their car, do something with their car that they didn't know they could do. Um, insurance, uh, personal loans, student loans, credit cards. Like how do we just eliminate the stigma of I can't trust my bank? Because that's new. That's in the second half of this century that this started to happen. If you go back bank and, and community was, it was, they were already friends. Like people would come in, shake your hand and say, Otto, this is a, this is a, I knew your dad. What do you need? Oh, you need to borrow a couple bucks to start this new business. All right. We can do that for you. Cause we know your dad, we know your mom, you know, we know you're, you're, you're good in the community, right? That's how it was done. It was a friendship, but that went away with contracts, all the people scamming and all this stuff, blah, 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 right? We're now back to a place where there's so much regulation, so much security uh, in place to protect consumers um, that we can go back to being friends. We can go back to just delivering the valuable things and doing it from a place of um, not for profit sake, not that we want to eliminate profits. It's still very important, but for people's sake, right? And, and so this, this year, what I'm most excited about and the masterpiece that we're painting is can we, can we bring back this, this concept of uh, binding relationships that have been broken over the years 
because profits was the only thing anyone focused on. And that's why you have so many people, you know, um, in 2019, there was a great article that said that uh, there was over $1.5 billion in overpayments on people's mortgages because they were sold a mortgage that wasn't best for them. So can you imagine every month consumers were paying $1.5 billion more than they should have been paying? It's, it's sad, right? And we want to get away from that. And we want to change. Uh, there was a great article that the least trusted people in the industry are still, are still car dealers. Uh, and, and on that list is mortgage lenders and, and other financial institutions. Really? Like, how's the, how are we, how's that okay? And so that's the big thing. That's the thing I'm most excited about is getting into banks and credit unions and helping them with all their banking customers, not just their mortgage customers. Love that. Alex, when you're in a busy growing sales boomerang, what do you like to do for fun in your free time? Oh man, I, I'm uh, so I'm, I love music, right? So I, 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 I DJ and make music when I can, uh, a lot of working out, um, a lot of reading, a lot of time with the kids drawing. We love to draw a lot. You can see behind me. That's all the kids stuff. Oh, that's the kids. Uh, yeah. It's nice. Yeah, so a lot, a lot of a lot of different uh, art and and music things like that. Travel. Uh, last year, uh, we we probably had seven or eight trips around the country. Not all like really far, but like you know, we went. We 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 saw we saw the country, and we like to do that as much as possible because international travel wasn't really available. Um, so uh, so a lot of travel. Um, I speak a lot. Uh, if you can't hear you know, just from this interview, I enjoy it. It's, it's a passion of mine, just, just being, being in front of an audience and, and giving back this way. So I travel a lot for business and I travel a lot with family. And, and so uh, a, a lot of travel there, um, cooking, I, I, I do enjoy to prepare some, a delicious meal when possible. Uh, so those are sort of the, the things that I, that I enjoy most. You, you mentioned earlier, you're moving to Colorado soon. Why the move? I, I love, love Colorado. I love the climate. I love it's all. So I snowboard and, and ski. So I love all uh, winter activities. I like some activities too. Um, so hiking, snowboarding, skiing, climate, 300 days of summer mm -hmm. uh, in Maryland. We came back, we went to St. Thomas for, for Christmas uh, for seven days of sunlight, came back seven days of gray overcast days. I mean, we didn't see the sun until the sixth day or the seventh day for a minute, there was a glimpse and then it's snowing. So, um, so we love the climate and I, because you heard me travel a lot, it's centralized. So right now to go to the West coast, it's a pain, right? It's yeah. like five and a half hours, six hours. Now it's going to be a few hours anywhere in the country is just going to be a few hours. So all of those reasons, I just, I, I love the area. I love the people, love the climate and the travel. That's great. Alex, thank you so much for coming on the show. If people want to find out more about you and Sales Boomerang, where can you please direct them to? I always direct people right to salesboomerang.com. Just go right, right to our website. You can find everything you need there. Uh, find me on LinkedIn, Alex Kutsushin, or just look up Sales Boomerang. I'll pop up. Um, we, we do a lot in, on LinkedIn and, and give a lot back that way. So uh, that's, that's how they can find us. Awesome. Thank you again for coming on. Had a ton of thank fun. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. I had a blast as well. Oh, my pleasure. Take care. Thanks. Bye-bye. If you haven't done so already, please make sure to subscribe to the show and leave a review and comment and let me know what you think. Thank you. And I'll see you all very soon on the next episode.